Good afternoon. Welcome back to Tune It Over. I'm still Jack Chu, and this is our daily on weekdays show to talk about what is topical, what is current. And I can think of nothing better than the fact that the beer gardens are now open. I nearly said the pubs are now open. It's, a, I reckon, a soft launch in many ways, but the weather's been all right. So it has really felt quite liberating for us all to go and get a pint in hand once again. And so I thought it'd be smart for us to get a, a word from hospitality. Um, and I've got a good friend of mine, Chris Pollard, is going to be joining me to talk a little bit about what they've been going through as a sector, as an industry. Um, I think some of it almost you can feel like in, intuitively it's going to have been hugely disrupted, decimated in many ways. But some of the finer details that I know Chris will be, be able to bring to bear will be stuff that we won't necessarily considered in healthcare. We've been obviously under the cosh in various other ways, um, but also as as people, as uh, as as drinkers, as people that want to interact and socialise, as well as people that recognise the importance of those things to our patients and our community and even the ability to socialise as teams, as businesses and stuff. Um, we're certainly all ready, ready for Zoom quizzes to be phased out and for beer gardens and, and, and getting together around a pub quiz uh, to be phased back in. And so I'm, I'm really pleased to be chatting to my friend Chris about this today. And so hopefully within a couple of clicks, I can bring in Chris Pollard. Chris, can you hear me, mate? I can hear you. Nice one. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Um, and what I wanted to jump straight into first is is obviously introductions. What is it? What is it you you do for a living, and and why is it that you're therefore qualified to speak to this topic? Great. Um, I mean, I guess on on the most basic level, the best way to describe it is I sell booze. <laughs> Um, but I suppose it's a much more overarching kind of business than that. But uh, without telling you my entire life story, my background is kind of uh, coming through university, starting working in bars uh, to kind of pay my way through that. Uh, failed to get, you know, any of the super important graduate scheme jobs that, you know, I was sort of trying to get in the, the public sector, local government and that kind of thing. And in the meantime, kind of fell in love with hospitality and actually realized oh, I actually really enjoy this. Um, so I kind of moved, I guess, up through the the drinks world and then eventually was kind of tapped up by the brands to then move across to kind of sell the booze. <clears throat> so effectively, uh, our business, uh, I work for a company called Mangrove. We, we employ about 35 people um, and I, I could basically run the team who sell the products to the bars, restaurants, pubs, clubs, hotels, golf courses uh, and everything in between that that is considered hospitality. Right. So selling booze could be uh, kiosk at bargain booze or it could be a slightly more highfalutin version of which you do, which is still selling booze, but certainly a slightly different context and certainly matters yeah. more the, the relationship that you have with the actual um, licensed premises is, is quite quite different and therefore that gives you that deeper insight that I really wanted to bring out in this in this conversation could you give us a bit of an insight then as to what has ha what has happened to hospitality over the last 12 14 months <laughs> uh, I think you did use the word decimated in the uh, in the intro it's probably quite uh, right. an accurate description it's been Obviously, of course, this week so far has been unbelievably positive. Still not, you know, I think, you know, there's no doubt that it's still going to be a challenge. You know, yes, beer gardens are open, the weather's been good, but obviously it's still only, we estimate about 40% of capacity that people are, you know, in general able to open up. And obviously, from my point of view as a spirits, someone who sells spirits, you know, 
I'd imagine the first thing people are doing will mainly be drinking pints. So, you know, for, for us, a lot of our kind of business comes from that kind of late night cocktails, shops at the bar, all that kind of stuff. Uh, right, okay. Whereas, you know, beer and wine at the moment probably are doing quite well for the first few weeks, but that'll level out. But in terms of, you know, the last year, obviously it, it's just been a nightmare. It's been a never ending kind of start stop kind of process. And just when you think there's light at the end of the tunnel, suddenly that tunnel closes in again. Um, which has obviously been hugely frustrating for, for us as a business. Uh, we're turning over, I think, so we, we work on a kind of financial year basis. So we're about to close our financial year, about 50% down on our kind of usual take. Um, that then obviously filters through to, to the actual venues themselves, where it'll be even more, you know, kind of further down than, than that in terms of a business sense, which then obviously pushes onto the individuals. And, you know, a lot of people, in our in our industry will quite literally have been on furlough for an entire year at this point and you know i think there's a bit of a maybe a stereotype around being on furlough and people i've, I've heard people say like oh i don't have the luxury of being on furlough but you know i can promise you that the people that we work with and you know the people on my side who you know work with me it's it's been really tough like to kind of sit at home for an entire year not being able to do what you do get out and and just socialize and have fun and do your job is obviously from a mental health perspective particularly is really challenging um so yeah it's you know i guess lockdown hit everyone kind of panicked uh no one knew what the hell was going on everyone kind of thought oh i, I better uh, get some stuff on social media and find my voice and do this that, and the other and then there was a brief reopening in the summer which you know went quite well but then everything closed again and then opened again and then closed again and you know now we're looking to open again but do you think on balance that that yo-yo has been part of the problem or was it a yeah because that, that that um eat out to help out and all the uh the, the spike that we had in hospitality traffic that occurred over the summer on balance good or bad thing now what we know and what we know through the retrospective <clears throat> scope i think the hospitality is hugely on the fence about that to be honest it depends who you speak to in well, the I'm short term yeah <laughs> so we, so i'm sitting on the fence yeah because i don't normally do to be fair um in the short term of course it was great because when things first reopened in july of last year i think initially there was a a hesitation of people to go out no one really knew how it was going to work people getting used to checking in on the app and the masks and yeah it was the great unknown which meant it was a slow start and then obviously eat out tail park came in in august uh and august and then also september were really for us you know the figures did jump back up again but of course you know some people believe it was short-sighted because potentially it didn't help you know the data is clearly very unclear as to as to whether there was a direct correlation between actual you know people going out for a meal was the reason that the, the second wave came in. Uh, but I suppose a lot of hospitality leaders would say that if if it was a factor, then obviously in the long run, it didn't benefit because now we've been closed again for another five months. So what was the point sort of thing? Um, but yeah, of course, it, you know, it encouraged people to get back out there. And, you know, if people are hesitant to, to go down to the pub because they weren't sure what was going on if you suddenly put in a two for one and everyone suddenly is like oh well, well okay in that case then i better get back out there which you know of course helped and to be honest if you look even in the bigger picture now 
I've been out the last three days into London, you know, it is busy because people we've been here before. Do you know what I mean? Like people now are like, okay, I know the drill, I meet my friends, sanitize, we check in, you know, social distance, wear your mask when you go into the toilet. And everyone is kind of comfortable and understands they can still have a good time and right. and sort of gets how it works. So I suppose eat out to help out was like a, a trial period, if if you like, to get people back out there and that would have helped them kind of understand what the new hospitality world might look like at the moment i suppose sure. yeah that makes sense in the early stages of the pandemic and obviously we're good mates and you'll you might have seen i was fairly early sounding the alarm from a health point of view because of some of the insights i was able to garner and on the health policy side the small p politics of that meant i was quite close to the, the fact that there was a lack of trade-off going on you know, people weren't really having a mature conversation about the the, the, the balance of um, health versus economics or, or even social policy really wasn't being considered. It was it was all hype and they were sort of frantic amongst the civil servants in the in the Department of Health and Public Health England. Mm -hmm. But once that lulled and I kind of came, I made my peace with the fact that I wasn't going to be able to exert appropriate industry, uh, appropriate influence beyond my industry, really. Um, I then sort of made my peace with that, got on with other things. But when things started to open up and then I witnessed just how that clumsiness of policy wasn't just because of the novelty of the virus it was just going to persist and has persisted since right it hasn't made any coherent sense one of the things yeah. that really made me upset and it really I'm, I'm not using that word lightly it did when i realized that the and it might have been you that gave me this insight but at a moment's notice people were thinking they were opening the bar and then one day and then the next day they couldn't and all their all their food and drink went off then you know within yeah. a week and yeah. the, the the lack of preparedness and the lack of insight and the lack of respect, it seemed, for these, what I consider crucial industries for the social fabric, you know, in a romantic sense. Mm -hmm. I just found that to be fascinating and a, and a perfect example of just how cavalier some of this has been. Is that your experience too? A hundred percent. It's, <laughs> I think there's a, there's a big trend at the moment in hospitality now for us to kind of push to have more of a voice. Uh, the, you know, this talk of a hospitality minister, that kind of thing, whether that would even be helpful, I'm not sure, but it'd be a start. But yeah, people, or it seems, it feels like, you know, not so much now, but certainly in the kind of the middle bit, if you like, between the two lockdowns, that, you know, you could have asked anyone who's ever pulled a pint in a pub, even if they did that when they were, you know, 18 or whatever for a week, you know things like the curfew for example does that make sense and and people would say no right sure. <laughs> or you know you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that you know bars and restaurants if they think they're going to be open on uh you know boxing day new year's eve whatever would have bought that stock in the week before so if you then suddenly close it off they've already spent that money right and then so we've you know i think there could have been more of a, a dialogue with hospitality itself to work out what makes sense and therefore what can be successful you know it's it really was just such a like you say clumsy is, is a good word like and it and it kept changing and, and also it changed in different areas of the country so like for me i manage a team of nine people across different regions in the uk and it was almost a nightmare trying to keep up with which rules were in place for which you know, obviously the tiering systems kept changing that kind of thing. So it's just a constant nightmare of frustration. And every, I think the real, <clears throat> one of the most challenging things to witness was how draining it was for the venues themselves. I remember having a meeting in Manchester, actually. I think it was 
just before the November lockdown came in, perhaps, or maybe in December, I can't remember exactly, but <clears throat> I remember having a meeting and the guys that I were meeting, which is one of the best venues in Manchester, I won't say who it is, but they were so almost dejected because hospitality is such a resilient industry. You know, it's, it's ingrained into you when you're working 75 hours a week till three in the morning, you know, on your feet. And it's, it, people are very resilient, but <clears throat> every time, you know, I guess venues came up with a clever idea. So like, well, why don't we try this? Cause this will work and this will help drive sales and make people feel safe. And we'll invest in X, Y, and Z to, you know, make sure we are being as sort of COVID conscious as we can. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly the rules would change again the next week. So I remember having this meeting and they were just like, Chris, we're, we're just done. Like we just can't, everything we try and do, you know, then all of a sudden you've got to have a meal or you've got to, you know, close at 10 o'clock. And, and it was just a never ending slog of, you know, fight back, fight back, be creative, you know, yeah. turn things oh, yeah. around. And then all of a sudden that the rug is pulled from under you again. And, and it was just tiring, I think. Well, the, one of the most important features of, um, entrepreneurship or creativity within in industry marketing almost is in any sector really is the fact that you get to then test it and learn from that feedback loop and what kept happening in this instance was that the, 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 those creative endeavors were never given the time or chance to be properly tested or mm -hmm. that the goalposts would move you know, mid poster creation you know it was just mm -hmm. crazy making what's um one of the things i want to ask the live audience i know mo most of you tune in after the fact on your commutes etc and, and after the fact on the podcast as well on Spotify, but for those that are tuning in live, I just wonder, one of the questions I'm gonna to put to Chris a bit later is with regards to sort of COVID safety and, and trying to make sure we can understand how, how, the, how the hospitality industry is gonna just try and instill that confidence and then obviously phase those things out over time. But when I come to those things, which will be in a, in a few minutes, I wanna try and bring any of your questions you might have. How are you feeling about it? Just out of interest, you don't need to speak now as a, as a therapist, if you're watching uh, in medicine and healthcare, it's more just as a person, have you gone out and got that first part in a beer garden yet? Are you feeling any resistance? I know some people that have been very close to the pandemic, literally on the front line, mean that they, you know, that they, they're the sorts of people that are wanting to almost feeling a bit of a nervous caution. So I'm interested in what your thoughts are, guys. So please do share in the chat if you can, wherever you might be listening to this. And we'll bring that up and put it to Chris. So, but before I go there then, Chris, how... Could you just go through the easing milestones as we know them then? Because it was this Monday was outdoor only when yeah. when we when we get to the next one from what i understand that's not guaranteed but it's been laid yeah. out in the roadmap so just spell it out for us <clears throat> uh yep yeah, so monday this week was the reopening of outdoor areas um like i say that you know that that doesn't mean that hospitality suddenly is straight back up to 100 percent and everything's rosy because of course you know if you don't have an outdoor area for example you, you can't sell anything yeah. um I think it's the 17th of May is then the next stage, which will allow indoor areas. Um, I don't want to get this wrong now. I think indoor areas with a rule of six um, from any household. Um, and then the 21st of June apparently is when everything goes back to normal. Whether that will be the case, you know, obviously we don't know. We hope it will be. Um, but that's, <clears throat> you've got to think in terms of milestones, try and think in your head in terms of different styles of venue. So if, for example, you're a nightclub or a gig venue mm -hmm. or a stadium, which, you know, we all can, you know, we consider that part of hospitality. Yeah. Obviously, those people literally haven't opened their doors at any point, really. Or, you know, a festival, for example, it's 
Yeah. And and they're the, they're the businesses, you know, it, it's great, of course, that, you know, pubs, for example, with the big gardens are probably doing quite well this week and having a great time. That's fantastic. But let's not forget the people who literally haven't opened at any point all the way through this process. You know, it's mm. just very, very difficult. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're the milestones and, and fingers crossed, of course, they 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 are what they are and everything goes to plan yeah i mean we, we obviously don't know if those goalposts will get moved again but one of the things that seems increasingly likely is that 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 day of of it meant to be relaxed restrictions completely is something that is likely to have a caveat that i think will be applied to hospitality at least to some degree which will be some sort of being called a passporting system yeah. what's your what's your take first on the feasibility of that do you feel in hospitality and and the likelihood of that being being picked up great question uh something we've been musing around for the last few weeks quite a lot i mean you know for us ultimately it wouldn't be us that would be making that call it'd be the venues themselves um is it feasible yes you know i i we live in an age where you know people um people are checking in now to venues on on apps on their phone to, to say they've been there so i suppose if there is a, a passport on a phone uh that people can just show then you know that could be your, your key to get into into a venue of course um i suppose that you know the bigger question you know it's a philosophical what's right in terms of you know expecting people to to have to have a vaccine you know is that really taking away their freedom is going to a, a pub seen as you know a, a right of freedom or is it more important for the venue i guess to have the right to not allow people in who might infect other people um which i guess is more of a greater good kind of viewpoint on it uh yeah it's a really difficult one i'm going to sit on the fence again of course um what do you mean of course yeah. I, don't, I don't think i've ever known you have so many splinters in your ass in this, this conversation it, it, it it's definitely feasible i think obviously the 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 bit that would be hard i think for hospitality will potentially be the pushback they would get from from guests and customers coming in like i'd thinking back to when i was running a bar you know i'd i'd hate to be in a situation where you know you kind of have to say that i'm sorry you you don't have a vaccine or you don't have a test or, or whatever the rules are going to be and therefore you can't come in and then you know potentially that could cause friction and you know is it is it really the job of the venue to then police that do you know what i mean like that's, it's but this is the bit that i'm meaning when i ask after feasibility i don't mean bureaucratic infrastructure beyond it to mandate it or for it to make sense as to technically how you do it but most venues aren't two bounces at the door venues in which it's check your ticket or you know, so so this is something that might occur i imagine at the bar right so so, so someone's at someone's at the bar yeah. and they've got to check something an id card of a, or equivalent when ordering yep. six pints and then mm -hmm. the sixth person yep 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 and it's like well no i don't i don't have one for whatever reason or yeah i've forgotten it or whatever right <clears throat> that for me seems a bit mad like what what's that solo bar staff doing then are they yeah. is it inferred that 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 person has to evict them as if because you've got right to refuse service for any reason in yeah. a private business of course you have but it's so rare that you need to then mandate it right it's or you're able to call for some security backup police etc 
And yeah. is it inferred then that said so bar staff would then what call call the police on that person, or if they wouldn't leave, and and especially because there's, there's some strong opinions in this direction. I mean, I've, we've spoken about it on this show a number of times, and it, my opinion's strong on it. But similarly, is it is it strong enough for me to be the person that's then going dead weight on? A random barmaid trying to evict me from a bar for the sake of me not you know I, I doubt it right so i'm not meaning that but there are opinions that are so strong that mm. people would make a stand and it, that's yeah. the thing that concerns me for your industry it's like that that's yeah, not yeah. a pressure that should be felt by bar staff after all they've been through i mean it, it, it i guess it already happened to an extent with the kind of single household rule and that kind of thing there was a, there was a big conversation okay. around is it the job of the venue to police that and how would they even go about it? So if they, you know, if a group of six are coming in and they're like, yeah, yeah, we all live in the same house, you know, what uh, is, is someone getting paid, you know, eight pound an hour or whatever meant to kind of search back into the address history of every single person that comes in and, and prove it. Like it's really difficult to do. Uh, and obviously, yeah, the vaccine thing would be the next level up from that. Um, you know, it, You've got to look at, say, for example, they needed to put door staff on to check before people even came into the venue. Then that's an extra cost in terms of wages. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's when I say it's feasible, you know, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be. It wouldn't be really, really hard to to implement. Um, but I think, I assume, you know, right now, of course, venues just, you know, they want to be busy and make as much money as they can. But we need to find a sustainable future whereby. You know, we don't keep having to lock down, and and if that means trying to find a way to make sure everyone is as safe as possible by people not literally being able to get in to kind of infect people, then I'm sure that most venues would want to take that option because they they obviously want their guests to be safe and they don't want to have to close again. So sure, no, I get I get it. It's a it's a fully balance and a lot of pressure on a lot of people's shoulders that that certainly don't deserve it, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, got a couple of text messages come through to me saying that the the Facebook commenting isn't working for some reason on the stream. So apologies for that. I've just twiddled a few dials behind the scenes to see if that might work. And so hopefully it'll start working now. But that does mean that that means I've, I've been text questions and comments. So uh, Sam has said, for example, that um, happy with the um, process uh, as it stands for safety and are keen to be out and keen to, to do as much as they can uh, within safe procedures at the moment and, and really excited to be back going um we've had a comment here from from katie a bit of a long one so i don't think i'll get through all of it but um she's mentioning no, no country's got this entirely right um and i suppose i want to come to that bit first there's more there from katie but chris have you, are you aware of other countries in, in hospitality that have got it that have got it right or, or got it better i think you know i think one to to go back to talking about the frustrations that we had through that period that's not to say that i think anyone was expecting that it should have just been like it was a great unknown okay so no one knew from the government to the industry to policymakers to whatever it was all trial and error and that's obviously why um there was so much frustration because you don't get it right every time uh, and it had to keep changing uh in terms of i don't have i guess the figures or the facts i think there is a perception that places like singapore for example apparently have done very well you know they were doing sort of temperature checks on arrival from day one that kind of thing uh obviously having like a working app and that kind of thing probably would help as well but it sounds like you know we don't sell globally but we do work with brands who are global and to be honest you know it sounds like pretty much every 
every country has obviously had a tough time of it in hospitality. So right, right, yeah, we're going to say there aren't any obvious leading lights necessarily that that, that could we could model from, and always obviously that's always nested within the context of what that country's doing at that given time, independent of the sector, uh, really. And, it, and it's, as, as you alluded to before, it's it's about the style of venue. So if you're, I don't know, a high class restaurant in the middle of a city centre and it's it's booking only and, you know, it's all table service and all that kind of stuff, that's a lot easier to manage than, as you say, like a big beer garden in the middle of nowhere where just that style of service isn't the norm and people aren't used to it. Um, yeah, I mean, no, that, the, because... the beer garden thing I think is fascinating because, you know, the, some of the, the best beer gardens, you're literally like walking down the street and then you notice that your mates are there and you go and catch a beer with them. There's no yeah. way that, the, like, you're on the literally like the edge of that boundary of that venue. You know, you're just parking, mm. you're up, you're walking, you sat down, you say, I saw that I will have one. There's just, I can't, that's the feasibility thing that I'm just fascinated by. And also, it, it suits the fact that my position is also that, you know, these things aren't a smart move. I think therein lies the danger, to be honest. I think at the moment, the, the way that it now is, is so much more simple that I think that, that will help. You know, it was the whole substantial meal thing, for example, that that was so difficult Cold because... Whoa, well, exactly. Well, you're forcing people to overeat. <laughs> the, the waste of food, like people go in, buy a drink, and then the food gets thrown in the bin. Like, you know, where's the ethical side of that? Yeah. Um just there was just so many facets to it that were just so difficult to manage and just didn't make any sense yeah. whereas now it is literally like okay you can be open but you have to have an outdoor area mm. and then in may that will change into indoors you need to be in six done that's obviously you know and social distancing and, and sanitizing and everything else but just generally it, it's much more simple now and hopefully that will therefore be successful for people yeah, and then Katie alluded to it in the in the message she posted onto LinkedIn, but also a message I've had here from Emma, who on text is telling me about this Facebook issue that apparently is persisting, saying that it's that the the young people, especially those that are say coming of age, those that are only now legal to get in, you know into venues and and to and to drink legally and stuff, just like that that is something that's fascinating. Um, in, mm. your, in your typical festival goers, Katie's mentioned in there. That um, she's teenager book for Reading Festival, and that will make his year this year, no doubt. What's your take on the sort of generational divides on this stuff? Do you think that that makes a big difference to this conversation? Yeah, well, to, to personalise it a bit, uh, my niece, who I think you might have met at some point, um, is now nearly seventeen, right? So, <clears throat> obviously, this is <laughs> let let's put aside the conversation obviously of drinking in venues illegally and that kind of thing, but more of a generational and people's youth conversation. You know, if you think back to the fun that you had between the ages of, you know, 15 and a half through to 17, 18 years old, like they're, they're such important days of your life, obviously, you know, if, if that is just kind of completely taken away from you and everything's closed, you can't do anything. There's no festivals, there's no events, there's, you know, like, you never get that time back or university for example like i can't imagine what it must have been like to be a fresher over the last year you know you just you you are unable to have the same experience from a sort of social side of things which is super important and and you can never do it again because you can't get that time back again so you know talking about trade-offs obviously that's such a mm -hmm. a big factor i think to, to kind of consider yeah exactly i just think it's quite understandably going to be a, a, a a resentful generation for the for the policy that's occurred as well as just the shaking the fist at the bad look of it you know i'm not even inferring yeah. fault there i'm just meaning like generally like cosmic injustice more than anything it's just fascinating and and yeah you're right i suppose i was making the mistake then of thinking like 
imagine you've just come of age and you can start drinking legally and going out with your mates and stuff. It's like, well, actually, that's not the fact that there might be a, a sort of a system and a, a state intervention for who can drink in there, regardless of age, then you're definitely not going to, you, you, the hoops you'd have to jump through, you know, a piecemeal fake ID from yesteryear is certainly not going to yeah. cut it when they're, when they're literally uh, doing a retina scan or whatever it might be that comes in from the biosecurity side of this that might, that might emerge, you know, it seems, yeah. it seems it's a good point I hadn't really considered. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I suppose, obviously, the flip side, of course, is that that's just life, right? This has happened. And, you know, I'm sure people who were teenagers and coming of age in the war, for example, you know, you just got to get on with it and, and adapt to the situation that, that we have in front of you. But, mm. yeah, of course, it's a huge shame. And, you know, for for the generation that have lived through this, in all, you know... It could be any gender, any age group will have been affected in, in one in way or another. In, diff in different yeah. ways, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I said I'd get, I'd get round to, to asking it. What do you, th what are the, the sort of typical uh, ways in which hospitality are going to be helping to, to comply with the, with, with both legislation and good ethics and practices mm -hmm. to try and keep people safe, but also instill that confidence within the market again? Well, it, it's so important to us in hospitality, and I think that's the bit that sometimes people miss. So right. I saw a, a, t a Twitter video that went viral this week of uh, Volcompton Street in Soho, uh, where I was this week. And the way the video makes it look, you know, is that it's absolute pandemonium. And, you know, I, there was so many comments of like, oh, we'll be back in lockdown in three weeks. You know, this is ridiculous, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, First of all, the, the, I think the video really, to me, you know, if venues are open and people are in them, then no one's doing anything wrong, right? Because that's the decision has been made to open them. Mm. It's not like people were, you know, chanting and jumping on each other. It, it was just a video of a lot of people sat in a, in a busy street because the venues are open again. Um, so if we make the decision to go ahead with opening, then, you know, you can't then condemn people for, for doing it, I don't think, uh, because then, you know, if, if that's the case, then... Should they be open? So if we accept that they should be open, then, you know, let people go out, I think is, is kind of point number one. But um, I'm rambling now. So it's the venues and hospitality, of course, are unbelievably, you know, keen to make sure that it is as safe as it possibly can be. One, obviously, to keep people safe. Two, to make sure because of that, we don't all have to close again. And three, just to, to make sure that there is no room for criticism. So, you know, people are trying to be as safe as they possibly can. So... Um, you know, it, I guess it starts with kind of checking in, track and trace, you know, sanitizing tables, sanitizing hands, wearing masks in between, you know, if you're getting up to go to the toilet, you know, you need to put your mask on. Um, obviously the rules around kind of, uh, groups of six and households and that kind of thing are all in place. Um, but yeah, you know, people are just doing everything they possibly can to make sure that everything is as clean as it possibly can be. Um, and, you know, still to this day, we don't really have the data to show, you know, how many infections were caused in hospitality venues. And I, I know that the people we speak to every day, you know, as our customers, you know, they are adamant that going into a restaurant is just as safe, if not safer than a million and one other things that you could choose to do. But yet hospitality does seem to get, you know, kind of it seems it feels like without sounding like too much of a victim that there's a lot of blame placed on hospitality and my argument would be you know if people want to behave like idiots it's not necessarily the industry's fault it's society's problem right
Yeah, I think that that's for me. I mean, I agree with all that, and it's also something that I've been reflecting on a lot. In that it is a scapegoat industry, um, but also something that a certain certain group of people, certain class of people, will just infer that that is just a it's a frivolous and hedonistic pursuit, right? And that mm-hmm. that, that that's that's what say that's what say different types of revelers and louts would do. Whereas our classy dinner party is just it's just a different phenomenon, rather than the mm-hmm. fact that those are different ways of skinning that cat and to socialize with your friends, and and that. I think there is a class dynamic that's definitely for another show, mate, which we, I'm sure we can go off on one. But I also see it as being yeah. a proxy for another conversation me and you could have and both we're passionate about, which is that sometimes football is a scapegoat. It's like this notion of football hooliganism as if that's mm-hmm. the norm rather than it being something that is a story from its past in which there's still, of course, fringe issues. But fundamentally, when you think of the numbers, it's not fair to cast aspersions on a whole for the, the, the issues of a minority. And I think that that is just... It's the low-hanging fruit in a in a cultural conversation, whereby it's like, oh, look at that! That's so that's so frivolous compared to health interventions and, and fitness interventions. And I think that that's that socialising hospitality aspect is something that is therefore downplayed. If you downplay its benefit and then you upplay the risk, no wonder mm-hmm. people get get hyped about it. And and I I'm irritated by that. Obviously, we're doing what we can to make our small bit of noise to to try and puncture it. But thanks for all all you're doing. I'll let you get back to the important work of which you do, getting booze into people's hands. And uh, thanks a lot for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Nice one. See you soon, mate. All the best. Cheers. Bye.